and you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. Amen. Um, bless you guys as you guys give. I want to open up today and we're going to continue in our series, sermon, um, Summer on the Mount. And I want to open us up to Matthew 6 today. You ready for the word? Listen, we did worship, but we're going to be even better at the word. Amen? Amen? My wife's full Hispanic today. She's saying in Spanish, she's saying amen, not amen, amen. Amen. Matthew 6, I want to continue us on and I want to be faithful to what I feel the Lord has spoken to us. And he has given us a conviction to be really good at not just, not just knowing the Sermon on the Mount, but living it. How many of you know those are two different things? We don't just want to know God's word, we want to live God's word. And as, as believers in this room, you, me, all of us together as a family, there is a grace in this, in this moment to step into this word. Do you believe that? Yes. When we open up the word of God and we submit to the word of God, meaning we interact with it and we say yes and amen with our hearts, there is a grace to step into the promises available in that word. So we're not, just, we're not just opening up the word because we don't have anything else to do or because it's religious duty. We open up God's word because it is alive. Yeah. As we open it up and as we receive it and as we submit to it, it brings us life. And I believe today, I just want to say from the onset, I believe today that there is a refreshing of spirit. Like for those that are weary and tired... You're disappointed, you're discouraged, you feel like you're having to plow through. I have faith. Maybe you don't, but you can go on my faith. I have faith this morning that you can be delivered from that and you can receive newness of life. I believe it because it's in His Word. So I believe as we open it up and as God pierces our hearts in the most beautiful way, there is a, there is a grace, a freedom to be delivered from that yoke of weariness. Oh, that's good. So Jesus invites us in Matthew 11, and I just want to read this. You don't have to go there, but, but I, want to, I want to read it because I, I believe it's what he's saying this morning. I don't want to say what I'm saying. I want to say what he's saying, amen? You don't want to hear what I have to say. It's not that great. You want to hear what God has to say, but I want to read this to you because I felt this during worship, the invitation of the Lord. In Matthew 11, Jesus says this. The chapter heading is, come to me. And in verse 28 of Matthew 11, he says, come to me all who are weary and heavily burdened. The Amplified says, you're weary and heavily burdened by religious rituals that provide no peace. So it's not just life, right? It's not just like the weariness of life. There is a religious ritual duty, meaning going through the motions of something, but not letting it touch your heart. This is what has caused the weariness. I think it's beautiful for you to understand because some of us, we would equate weariness to life is hard and life is hard. Life is hard, and it gets more difficult as you go. It seems like time goes by faster and faster. Can we agree? Faster and faster. But the weariness and the heaviness that it's talking about here is a byproduct of religious rituals that provide no peace. So Jesus is calling us up out of that. He's saying, come to me, all you who are experiencing that, and I will give you rest. I feel the Lord on that. All of you who are tired... You're trying to muster your way through life. You're trying to fake it till you make it. You're here in the grind, but you're sitting under these worship environments and you're hearing these songs, but your heart can't engage because you're tired. Jesus is saying this morning, come to me and I will give you rest. This is not, I will give 98% of you rest or not. This is, if you come, he will. 
This is a guarantee for all of us. This is the beauty and the majesty of Jesus. That there is an exchange. It talks about this. You would get beauty for ashes, joy for mourning, praise for heaviness. This is the inheritance of us as believers. That there is a divine exchange that has to take place. But in order for us to experience this, we must learn to be in the moment. This is what I want to talk about this morning for just a few minutes and then give us an opportunity to step into that because I believe the greatest robbery that is happening to us today is we're so worried about tomorrow that we miss the beauty of today. That's the bottom line of my message. You're like, what, what, is, what, what, what are you talking about? My fear for us is that we're so worried about tomorrow and even God's plans and purposes or all of the news and the agenda and what's being perpetuated that we are robbed of the beauty and the majesty of today, of now. So in Matthew 6, Jesus is in this dialogue. He's talking about giving to the poor. He addresses prayer. We talked about this last week. He taught us how to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He says, give us this day our daily bread. He talks about forgiving, being forgiven as we forgive. And he goes on this dialogue on how to engage with the Father. In the midst of that, he talks about wealth, mammon. But then, but then my, I don't know what your Bible says, but mine says this, the cure for anxiety. <laughs> I know we don't want to talk about it, but, but we're going to talk about it. Because, because I know we've never lived in a time, I don't believe, I believe we've never lived in a time where more people are dealing with anxiety. Everybody has anxiety, and, and I don't want to say this, it's very real. It's not like, let's, let's just brush that off. It's very real. There's very real pressure. It paralyzes us. It stops us from moving, engaging, from worship. But the good news this morning, I'm going to even know the gospel is good news. The good news this morning is Jesus gives us a cure for anxiety. Yes. He gives us a means to the, uh, to the end. And for us, I think what God wants to deliver us from is the facade of having it all together, of pretending. Like I know, man, I've been in these rooms. I've been, I got saved in 2008. I've been in rooms where my, in times where I felt no faith, but I felt like I had to engage with the song because I didn't know what people around me were going to think. I've been in hyper-spiritual environments where it's like, you've got to push, you've got to contend. But in the midst of that, what I want is biblical faith and promise. Yeah. I want what I'm reading and what I'm experiencing to line up, wouldn't you? Yeah. I want to experience God. It says where the presence of God is, there is the fullness. The fullness of what? The fullness of joy. Which means I don't have to live my life under this depressing yoke of just trying to push. So I just feel that. There's grace to be delivered from this having to push through. Yeah, there are seasons of pushing through, man. We've pushed through a lot. We are here today because as a spiritual family, we've pushed through. But there is, Hebrews 4 promises us a rest. The Bible says this in Hebrews 4. You must work hard to enter into rest. Which means there is a rest that is available for you today. And it is found in the presence of God. You can open up your Bible every morning at 5 o'clock in the morning. You could turn on the soaking music and you could sit there for an hour. And you can do all the things Eric Gilmore tells you to do. But until you learn to engage with the presence of the person, you will never find rest. 
I want to say this to you because some of us, we have gotten sucked into, well, I'll do my religious activity and then I will receive rest. That's not what it says. It doesn't say do religious duty and then you will receive rest. Come to me. And that me is a person. For some of us, it's hard to worship for an hour because you still haven't graduated past realizing we're not singing songs to prepare our hearts for a message. We're singing songs to a person that is alive. The Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. He is enthroned, meaning when we come into a room and we worship him and we praise him. And what is praise? It's different than worship because we worship God because of the things he has done. He's worthy of our worship because it has a lot to do with what he's done for us. God, you have done, therefore I will worship. But praise has to do with acknowledging who he is. When we acknowledge as a people who God is, as Lord, as Savior, as Master, as Deliverer, as Healer, He is attracted to that. And when He is enthroned, there is a power. <laughs> there is a power that is released that it breaks the yoke. People, we go, millions of churches, no power because there's places where God is not enthroned. He is attracted to places where He is enthroned. And where He is enthroned, He rules and He reigns. And that depression, that anxiety, that sickness, that weariness bows. Why? Because the king has entered into the room. So I want to talk for just a moment about Exodus, because I believe it's important. In Exodus 24, the people of Israel has been delivered. They've gone through the wilderness, and they've gone through some experiences. In Matthew, Exodus 19, Fire descends upon a mountain. I mean, like these are real things that happened. There was real fire and smoke and cloud and thunders. And God dwelt in the midst of them. And 1.5 million people plus experienced this. This is real. And in the midst of that, in Exodus 24, the people are reaffirming their covenant with God. And they say these words, we will do whatever God has said. And so then God invites Moses up on a mountain. He says, I want you to come up on the mountain. And there's this crazy thing that happens because as, he invite, as, he, as they're invited up, they go up and 70 elders, they literally, they eat with God. <laughs> like they're on the sea of glass. If you read it, it's the same description. They are on the sea of glass and they are partaking in meal with God. I don't know. This wrecks me. This is the Old Testament. They're having this experience with God. And in the midst of that, God says, I want you to go up the mountain. And I want you to go up the mountain, and I want you to be in the mountain. Some of us would read, well, so Moses and his assistants set out, let's read it, and climbed up the mountain of God. Let's keep going. Next, next. Yep, we could do it. Yep, next one. Oh, just kidding. There's no next one? Well, let's go back to that one then. Let's try that one again. Exodus 12, praise God, 24, 12. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, I'm sorry. Then Moses, then the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay there. And I will give you the tablets of stone, which I have inscribed the instructions and commands so you can teach the people. So he was calling Moses up the mountain to give him what he needed. But here's, here's, here's what I want you to see. The Lord says to Moses, come up to me on the mountain, stay there. A better, a better translation of that in the Hebrew would be God saying to Moses, I want you to come up on the mountain and I want you to be at the mountain. I want you to think about this because this would be like me saying to you, I want you to leave church, go to the mall, and be at the mall. You'd be like, bro, if I go to the mall, I'm going to be at the mall. 
But, but God is saying something to Moses and it's communicating something to us because all of us have the tendency and we all have the ability to be somewhere but not really be somewhere. How many of you can, some of you are there right now. Praise God. All of us, we're, we're, we're multifaceted beings. We're body, mind, soul, and spirit. We have physical, emotional, spiritual needs. And what's happening to us in the midst of watching 12-second videos over and over is we have learned to relegate ourselves going moment to moment but never experiencing the fullness of that moment. And so God was speaking. How many of you know, man, this is the guy who's leading millions of people. Like one of the worst anxiety of my life is trying to pick a movie on Netflix with my wife. It's like, she's like, you pick. I don't know. I'm like, oh my gosh. My heart starts, my blood pressure rises. I'm like, what do you want to watch? I don't know. Anything. And then I pick, she's like, but not that one. You've been there. This is a guy leading millions of people. And in the midst of that, God's answer for him as a leader is come up the mountain and be on the mountain. And he's not just there for like two hours. We're going to be here for a couple of hours today. Some of be like, it's lunchtime. He was there for 40 days. I don't know what was happening, but I do know that it was like seven days before God even responded. It says he went up the mountain in six days. The glory of God dwelt. And then God said, come up. There was this invitation for God to, he invited Moses to come up and be in his presence so that he can lead a people into promise. And isn't this us? We're just pilgrims. We're, we're going through this. Listen to me. This is not our land. This is not our dwelling place. You are passing through this life. You have all these goals and aspirations. Praise God. Good. Do the most you can with the life you have. But I want you to know you're just passing through this life. This is but a vapor. It comes and it goes. And I'm learning about the beauty of moments. The beauty. Man, the other day I was at, I was at Magic Kingdom with my daughter. And we were on the carousel, you know, the carousel, the horse, the horse thing. And it was just me and her because my son's like, I'm too grown for that. I'm like, okay. And so I'm there with her and it's hot, bro. It's like, it's like Florida hot. Like who would go to Disney in June? It's like... But we're there. And I'm sweating. We're waiting. I'm like, we, it's, it's just, and in the midst of that, my daughter, she looks at me. She says, Daddy. She grabs my face. She says, I love you. <laughs> it wrecks your whole life. You're like, I'm not even hot anymore. You want to ride this a hundred times? I'm never leaving. Because, because it's the beauty of a moment. And this is the thing that the enemy is trying to rob us from. The main way you are robbed of this experience is worry. Anxiety. It's a thief and it robs you of your peace and your certainty, not only in who you are, but who God is to you. Which segues us all the way to Matthew 6. Where Jesus addressed, like, listen, Jesus could have talked about anything on the Sermon on the Mount. How many of you know this? He could have addressed anything. But these are the things he chose to address. And he says this in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, stop being worried or anxious. The Amplified, let me read it up here. Stop being worried about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink and enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food? And isn't your body more than clothing? 
Look at the birds. Don't they, they don't plant or harvest. They don't store in food and barns or for the heavenly father is there to feed them. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Selah. Like, let's take inventory and like, let's really think about what worry has added unto you. It's probably robbed you of a few things. It's stolen, but, but, but it says, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work and, or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers, they are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow. He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Let's keep going. Don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? I want you to see this, verse 32. <clears throat> these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. <laughs> but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Therefore, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will, he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So my point for you, and what I want you to capture from this portion of Scripture, is worry is the job of an unbeliever. It is not your portion. It is not your job. It is not your inheritance. According to the Scriptures, which how many of you can agree it's truth? Half of you, good. It says worry dominates, which means it has control over the mind of an unbeliever. So every time I'm giving myself to worry, I'm giving my heart. This is why it's so important. It says this, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways, which means you cannot believe God is good and worry. What that brings to you is instability. instability. It's the inability to stand. It means you try, you try, but it's impossible for your heart to say, God is good. And then on this side, worry about every part of your life. He says, look at the birds. They don't store yet they eat. Look at the flowers. No, they don't, they don't make themselves clothes. They look at the beauty. Will not your father, this is the question you have to settle today. Will not your father take care of you all the more? So the invitation for us is, don't worry, just be. Which is so countercultural because we have masqueraded worry as wisdom. I'm not worrying, I'm just being wise. I'm building my life in such a way that I'm going to take care of my kids and my family. We've all, I've been there. This is not, this is me. Like it's my job to provide and it's my job. And, and at the end of the day, what it becomes is, I become provider, not God. I become leader, not God. I become sustainer, not God. <laughs> Thank you, Tommy. And what God, what God wants to do is he wants to remove this yoke from us. My wife sang about it. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The only time Jesus really describes himself, he describes himself as gentle and humble. I know we like powerful, victorious, sword-slashing Jesus. He's gentle and he's humble. When we, come, when we come to him, he deals with us gently and humbly. For we serve not a high priest who is removed from our afflictions. 
He understands us. He knows us. He cares. He's near. How are we not gripped by this? This delivers us from all of the worry because we know we serve a God who is present. You're like, what about that impossibility? What is that impossibility in comparison to God? What? That's where I'm at nowadays. I dare you. Do you know who my dad is? Come on, we've been in these rooms. We've been praying even recently where, where a demonic principality, whether you believe it or not, as we were interceding, showed up in the room. And the posture of heart was, how dare you? How dare you? Do you know who I am? Do you know who my dad is? You're like, oh no, that's, that's pride. It's really not. It's knowing who you are in him. Like it's time for the devil to stop having his way with you. Come on, grow a backbone. It's time. But you cannot do this until you learn to be in the moment. That's why the Bible says this. Be still and know. What are you going to know? This ain't be still and know your Bible. We want you to know your Bible. It's not be still and know. Be still and know that I am. He is God. He is above. This is not a game. And he is going to deal swiftly. He is going to deal swiftly with all of the things that, are, that have been hindering you. I feel this, man. He's going to deal swiftly with it because he is good. So he says, what is all of your worry adding unto you? Meaning, I'm giving you the grace and the ability to be delivered from anxiety, worry, which leads to depression. Depression is a spirit that is fueled by anxiety and worry. It climbs you, it digs you in a hole that says you can never get out. It's rooted in an unbelief. There's so much there. But the invitation from the Lord is come. Come. Let me heal your heart. Stop trying to do it on your own. We're not against doctors. We're not against that. I'm not against any of that. I'm saying, let's seek first. Let's seek first. Let's allow his kingdom to dictate how we live our lives. We're setting up the pattern of our life to seek first after his kingdom. My son knows. We were on vacation. He says, vacation's not over. We got two more things to do. I said, really? Like, what are we going to do? We're going to watch a movie, and then tomorrow we're going to church. He's at church, he's still on vacation, he's living his best life. Because it's not just a religious duty. It's not so, well, we don't go to church so that we don't go to hell. When we come onto this property, there is a living God waiting to meet with us. And he tabernacles, he dwells. It goes beyond goosebumps, like I don't feel God. Okay, good. Let's move beyond feelings and let's move into knowing. For I know. <laughs> Let me see what else I want to say. I'm still on page one on my notes. Uh. Jesus, help me. Yeah, let's talk about this. I'm going to go all the way to the end. So if you've been with us as a community for any period of time, you know we have been marked by, by the story of Mary of Bethany. It's been, it's been a pivotal thing for us as a community. If you've been with me for the last five years, you've heard this over and over. 
And my fear for us and my prayer for us is that we would never grow dull to the reality that God has created us into a Bethany. I believe God is looking for a resting place. A resting place cannot coexist with a place of anxiety, stress, and worry. God is looking for a place to rest where he's welcomed, where he's ministered to, where he's tended to. So God, he goes to this place and he says this. Luke 10, 38 says, Now as they were traveling along, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his words. Where was Mary? I'm going to read it again because you missed it. Martha welcomed him in, but she had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his words. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came to him. She says, Lord, do you not care? My sister has left me to do all the serving alone. Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and you're bothered. You're worried. Like there's something gripping your heart that has caused you to miss the moment that we're in. He says, you're bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. Say one thing. I'll die preaching this message right here. At 80 years old, get one thing, you know. (laughs) I hope that's how I go out. One thing is. (laughs) That'd be amazing. Right into glory. He says, only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part. And I want you to see, Jesus made a declaration, and it shall not be taken from her. So Martha invites Jesus into the house like we did this morning. We all came in this morning. Marcus came up. He riled us up. He did his thing. You know, he just, and then we all said, come, Lord Jesus, come. Yet for an hour, there was all kinds of different things happening in the room. Some were doing their activities, trying to get God to come. Some were resting. But I believe what the Lord is looking for is someone who would just sit at his feet and be captivated by him. I've learned after a long time of doing this that sometimes the loudest, screaming, shoutedest person in the room isn't really engaged with God. They've just learned this habitual thing that if I shout, if I scream, then he'll come. Then they sit on the seat and say, he didn't come, now I'm disappointed. I've also learned to not judge the person that's just sitting and receiving. Because if we would have walked into that room, somebody would have said, that, that lady's lazy. Go make a sandwich. Jesus is in the room. Go serve him. Go do, do something for, yet Jesus says she has chosen the good part and it will not be taken from her. Which means there's something available for us at the feet of Jesus that no demon, no principality, no worry, no anxiety can take. It says it shall not be taken. Your money can be taken from you. Your freedom can be taken from you. All of this can be taken. I don't care how American patriotic you think you are. It could all be taken. Ask my family who came from Cuba like 50 years ago. It could all go. It could all go. But there's one thing Jesus says cannot be taken from you, and it's adoration. It's learning that in this moment, I have something I can give Jesus that nothing could ever take away from me. There's something I can give God in this moment. Many of you know when we cross over into into heaven, into glory, whatever you want to call it, there's no more sickness, there's no more pain, there's no more depression. There's no more sadness. There's no more sickness. 
So there are, there are some things reserved on this side of heaven that you will only be able to give him now. When I'm dealing with something in my life, this pressure, because Jesus promises us that difficulties and pressures will come. He promises us that. In those moments, I have the opportunity to offer Jesus something that I'll never be able to do on the other side. And it becomes my offering. It becomes your offering. And I want you to see that we have made Christianity about behaving instead of beholding. You can never learn to just be in the moment because we have taught you if you do enough for God, then God will. And what God is doing is realigning and readjusting us to behavior modification is not going to get you there. You can't control you, boo-boo. If you could have, you would have. Which means we've got to go back to the place of, God, I just want you intimate. I want to be found at your feet. It's not just like, it's not good language. It's reality. It's 7 o'clock in the morning. When you're tired as crap, you're like, I'm going. And I'm not just going to jump into my Bible. Jesus says something so interesting. He says, you search the scriptures because you think in them you will find life. But I am He. <laughs> Which means for us, we can, we can go through every page. But if we're not connected to the person in the pages, it's nothing. Which makes it really easy. Because I don't know about you, I've read this book, man. I've, listen, the book of Genesis is probably the most read book in the Bible. Because every year everybody's like, I'm going to read the whole thing. Then they get to Leviticus, they're like, bump that. I'm jumping to John. And I'm going to stop right before Revelation. There's dragons and stuff in there. I ain't about that life. What if, what if we started with... I'm going to show up in this room and I'm going to ask you, Jesus, what you want. Yes. If you want me to read Leviticus 4, I'll read it, man. All the sacrifices, I'll read it. I don't get it, but I'll read it. I'm thankful I don't have to do it. But if you want me to just sit here in stillness, I'll do that too. If you want me to sing to you, I'll sing to you. If you want me to lay, I'll lay whatever you want because I'm not going to make this relationship about behaving. I want to make it about beholding. I want to become all that you've called me to become. And I want to experience the fullness of you. And it requires us as a people to just be and not do. You're like, well, what about the doing? The doing will come when you learn about the being. I promise you. The worst thing we could do is, is, is mobilize and, and, and equip people as orphans to go out. And duplicate the same orphanhood. If we can get people, this is why we, we say it every week, so we have prayer rooms. To just sit in a room and love him. And love him well. And sing him songs. And read scriptures about him. And ask him, God, I don't understand this, but I want to know more about you. So Jesus invites us, says, don't worry. Just be. Don't worry. Just be. Allow me to be Lord. Allow me to cover you. And I believe it's in this place, 
you know, I know we're in 4th of July weekend and we're celebrating independence, but, but as a Christian people, we are the most dependent people ever. Our independence has robbed us of dependence. I'm thankful for our freedom. Don't get me, don't get it twisted. Like we've been around the world. We know we're blessed. <laughs> but the issue with the people who are so over-independent is we, we lack dependency on God. And when you make a vow, a declaration, I'm going to do it on my own. It's an invitation to heaviness, to weariness, to tiredness, to anxiety. And I don't have to do an altar call around the room to say, lift your hands. Because the reality is I know half of us in the room would say, yeah, I'm dealing with that. I'm tired. It's a rat race. It's a pressure. Your house isn't big enough. Your car isn't new enough. Your body don't look the way you want it to look. X, Y, Z is robbing you from the beauty of saying, God, I just want to be in this moment. You know, I was at, I was at, I said we were on vacation. One of the days, you know, you subconsciously just open up your phone and then I was going to go to the Disney app and then I actually went to Facebook because my finger just did that because it's sickening in that way. You're just there. You're like, how did I get here? And my wife, she did a really good job all week. She left her phone in the stroller and she looked at me. She says, that's a sickness. And I was holding it. I'm like, oh my gosh. You know? It's like, golly. But she's right. This is not an anti-social media message. This is, a, this is a, maybe we're not present. Maybe we're not present. And so we're asking God for things that are already here. Here's the reality. Joy is already your portion. You can't be under the lordship of the prince of peace and not have peace. Because... Because the king sets the parameters of the kingdom. If it's his kingdom and he's the prince of peace, then your inheritance is peace. That's why when you come into America, you are now a free person because the, the nature of America is we're free. So you're not going to tell me what to say or what to do. The same way is we're not going to be told that we can't live in peace. Or that we're not going to have joy. Or that hope is not our inheritance. You can make a choice. You can make a choice. But the truth is, it's already yours. God has given you peace. God has given you joy. All of that's available to you. The question is, will you take it? Because you can't have both. In order for you to receive all that God has for you, it's going to require you releasing all that you think you need to have. Are you alive? So like plumb line, end of sermon here. For some of us, the reason we don't have peace and joy is because we're holding on. I don't know what you're holding on to. And you may even feel like you have a right to hold on to it. Bless you, you may. But the question you've got to answer is, where have your rights led you? What are the fruits of your right? <laughs> because the beauty of this moment right here, right now, is there's nothing I can do to make you do anything, but I can invite you to say, Jesus, I'm going to let that go.
You're like, how? We're about to partake in, in communion. And I wanted to do it right now because I want you to understand that his body and his blood made a way. His body and his blood made a way for you to enter into fullness. You don't need super anointed XYZ to lay hands on you to receive for you what Christ paid for. Can we agree on that? You're like, man, but in September there's a conference and I'm going to receive glory. Oh, who wants to live like that? Maybe you will, maybe you won't. Then you got to wait till January for the next New Year beginnings conference. Why not partake of his blood and his body now? And say, Jesus, all that you are is all that I want. And all that is not you, I want to release. He'll take it. Look at me in the eyes. He will take it. He will take it. There is nothing inside of you that if you don't release to him, he will not take. He's good. There is not anything I wouldn't do for my son. If my son came to me and there was anything in my power to stop him from being hurt, I would do it. And I'm not God. I promise you. So they're going to pass out communion here in a minute. In Jesus' name, I have faith for it. But I actually wanted to create a moment here. The band can come back up, please. I just wanted to create a moment, just a moment, to just be. Can we just be still for just a moment? I know it's awkward. We don't know how to do this anymore. Jesus, we invite you into this moment. We invite you into this moment. We're intentionally making space for you to invade. We're asking you, Lord, to expose any places, any areas, any things that we're holding on to. We're asking for joy, peace, and hope. I have so much faith in this moment that the Lord wants to deliver. So much faith. I feel the Lord. So, Father, for any person in the room that has been suffering from crippling worry, anxiety, and fear, we thank you that it has to go in Jesus' name. It's not your portion. Father, we want to experience the beauty of today. And we refuse to let the enemy rob us of today for the worries of tomorrow. For tomorrow, there's grace for tomorrow, but today there's grace for today. That's why you praise, give us this day. This day. We're asking you, Father, to restore trust. Restore trust. Would you heal our hearts? 
from discouragements and wounds. As eyes are closed, I need to do this real quick. Before we take communion, I want to make sure that everybody's right with the Lord because Paul made this statement. He says, some of you are sick. You have sickness in your body and you've even died because you've partaken of the Lord's Supper That's right. in the wrong way. That's right. Not discern the Lord's body. So if you're in this room right now, you're like, man, I got some stuff I have to repent of. I need to get right with the Lord. I just want to ask you to lift your hands so we can pray right now. Let's just make things right right now all around the room. We're just going to pray. Father, we ask you for grace. We ask you for grace. Father, forgive us. Forgive us for any areas where we've fallen short. Forgive us for any areas of our lives where we've tried to control and make things happen. Father, we ask you for mercy for mercy over every heart, every soul. We repent, we turn. We say you are Lord. You are Lord. We receive grace. We thank you that mercy triumphs over judgment. Forgive us. Forgive us for partaking of things that have hindered us, God. I want us to partake of communion together. I'm going to need a cup if anybody's got one. Thank you. Hey, listen, as we partake of communion, I feel like we've made light of this. But in the New Testament church, in the book of Acts, they gathered around this. This is what they gathered around. It wasn't around a celebrity. It wasn't around lights and a show. They gathered around the body of Jesus. His broken body and his blood shed for our sins. So this morning I want to say to you, I said it in the pre-service staff prayer, Everything you need is found in Him. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Yes. Everything we need is found in Him. And as we partake of this this morning, I have faith that those things that we're asking God to take, that they're covered by this blood, that because of His broken body, we're made whole. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Yeah. If you have sickness in your body, if you're being tormented in your mind, if there's perpetual structures, sh struggles, I want to say to you, His blood and His body made a way for wholeness. Will you believe that? So let's open this up and let's take it together. Father, we thank you for your body. 
we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, to come and live a sinless life. We thank you for giving him for his body being broken so that we could be made whole. So we speak over every body right now in Jesus' name. We tell sickness to go in Jesus' name right now. Not because of anything I say, but because of the authority of the broken body of Jesus. You made way for healing. You made way for wholeness. So Father, we thank you for your body that was whipped, broken, and wounded for me, for our transgressions, for our iniquity. We thank you for your body. In Jesus' name. sacrifice of your blood being poured out we are blood bought sons and daughters of Jesus sons and daughters of God so God as we partake of your blood we ask that it would cover us that it would keep us I simply ask the worship team to come back and to sing I exalt thee and to give you an opportunity to exalt him. So there's really no expectation, but I can't preach a message about being without giving you an opportunity to be. So I'm going to come before the Lord and I'm going to be in his presence and I want to invite you take a few moments and just linger and just receive from Abba. If you need prayer, we're here, we'll pray with you. But there's no one that can touch you like Jesus can. There's no one. So I invite you this morning to open up your heart to him. Maybe some of you need to come to the altar. Maybe you need to get out of your chair. Maybe you need to go stand on the back wall, whatever you have to do. But I just invite you to find a place as we sing, I exalt you to exalt him.
I really felt like the Lord wanted us to cover those in the room. I felt like during prayer, there were going to be those that you're like, I don't even have the faith and the strength to pursue in that way. It's been dark. It's been tiring. And it's been lonely. And I felt like the Lord wants to release and for us as family to cover you. So if you have felt that, man, it's been tiring. It's been lonely. It's been hard. I feel like it's a spiritual thing. Like those things have to go. And there's power in agreement. So if that's you, would you just lift up a hand? I'm going to have our prayer people come alongside right now. If I can get some of my leaders to come alongside, they're all over. Just lift up a hand. We're going to pray and we're going to go back into that time. It's going to be nothing strange. We're just going to pray with you. Right there in the back. every tormenting spirit to go right now in Jesus name and father we declare your word where it says who the sun sets free is free indeed so we speak freedom over every spirit freedom over every heart and God we pray that you would give them endurance that you would give them grace that you would release peace that you would release joy that you would release peace and you would release joy and we tell every yoke of sadness and depression and anxiety and worry to go we say go we say go in jesus name go we pray holy spirit would you come and renew and refresh every mind and every spirit by the power of the holy spirit by the power of the holy spirit we say come and refresh and renew your people let the rains of refreshing come let the rain of refreshing come. Every dry and weary land. Let the rain of refreshing come. And shower over every weary soul. Over every desolate land. Oh, would you rain down, Holy Spirit? We ask you. We say, have mercy. We say, have mercy. Release grace. A freedom.
there's freedom. There's freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord. Declare. Oh, showers of mercy and grace, they are falling on every face. There is freedom. Let's just go there. If there's any person with sickness in their body, would you just lift up a hand? If we're going to say freedom, let's just go all the way. You're around someone who has a hand up. Let's just pray for them right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we declare healing and wholeness over everybody. In Jesus' name, both physical and emotional. We declare freedom over your body. In Jesus' name, Father, would you pour out your blood? We thank you that your body made way for this. We tell cancer, we tell anxiety, we we tell diabetes. darkness 
in Jesus name it may be for one person but if it was you you would have wished we had Terry we tell that deep darkness to go that pit of despair is not your inheritance God says come to me
John says this blessed, fortunate, prosperous is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, yeah. nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit down in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he habitually meditates day and night. And this is how he describes him. He will be like a tree planted firmly by streams of water, which yield its fruits in its seasons. And its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. So Father, in Jesus' name, we ask for a grace to habitually meditate upon your words day and night, night and day. We ask for a stability, God. As people plant themselves in this place of adoration and beholding and being God, that you would bring a stability like trees planted along a riverbank, that they would yield fruit in every season, that they would never cease yielding fruit, God. We declare that over them in Jesus' name. That as they reprioritize, as they shift the focus, God, that you would bring them into a season of fruitfulness like never before. There's hope. 